The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Hello and welcome to Who Knew and Review. This week, Face the Raven. Quite a dramatic title for quite a dramatic episode. So, ravens, eh? I think uh, Edgar Allan Poe wrote something about a raven, didn't he? Always dark and foreboding. And um, how apt that we should use a raven, which I do believe was the messenger of Odin, with our favourite Viking girl, a shilder. Or is that me? Anyway, more on that soon. So, this story reunites the Doctor and Clara with our favourite graffiti artist, Riggsy. Now, he first appeared in uh, last year's Flatline, perhaps one of the finest standout episodes of last year. And he sort of acted as, well, Clara's assistant when she went all doctory because the Doctor was trapped in his TARDIS, whose outer dimensions were shrinking. You see, the Doctor was initially unimpressed with Riggsy, dismissing him as yet another pudding brain, but quickly saw his worth as a source of local knowledge. And that's the nickname that sort of stuck, and is used again in this adventure. So, I suppose you could say that the Doctor has arguably been without a proper companion for most of this series. The sort of episodes kick off and, well, he just picks Clara up along the way. And then he sends her back for her little um, her little job at, uh, at the school where she teaches and things like that. So, it's quite refreshing to see the pair start an episode in the TARDIS together, together, together for the last time. You see, reading that together for the last time sort of made me a little bit emotional. I know I've said terrible things about Clara in the past, but she was finally beginning to grow on me. And I don't mean like a wart. I mean, I actually actually was really liking her. Still, I suppose we'll find out exactly how that story finishes. Because, well, I don't think... I mean, yes, she's dead, but this is Doctor Who. And I suppose when you're dead in Doctor Who, there is always a chance that you'll be undead. Not brains. Undead. But undead. As undeadified. I'm not making much sense. Anyway. The fact that we start this episode with laughter as the the pair of time travellers, Time Lord and Companion, are all full of whimsy and laughter. And then the phone rings. Now, I don't know about you, dear listener, but I quite like it when the TARDIS phone rings. Because, well, you'd think you'd think a phone is its quite a normal thing for a phone to do. But for me, it gives me, well, it gives me a bit of a headache. Because I, I may, maybe I'm overthinking this, I don't know. But I, I think, well, well, I wonder how it's powered. I mean, what is it on a network? Is it is it provided by British Telecom? I mean, what is the actual means of communication? The number, the number that they dial. I mean, do they dial plus four four because it's an English number? Uh, what? It is things like that. It's 
It's the casual. Well, Clara gave uh, Clara gave out the number to Rigsy. Really? He well, just gave out that number? Sorry, what? Are you what? No, I, I no 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 no. I want more than that. I mean, I know it costs a lot to phone, say, America. Uh, for myself in the UK, especially if I phone from my uh, my cell phone or mobile phone for those uh, for those out there. So, how much would phoning an interdimension cost? I mean, that's got to be astronomical. So, Riggsy's okay with calling that, but then again, that's because he's got a mysterious tattoo. Where's he got the tattoo? It's tattooed on the back of his neck. Now there we go. That is a little Monty Python reference because I've been picking up as many references as I can um, from this particular series. And we have... It's not the first time we've had Monty Python references. Um, although, this... Uh, I doubt Riggsy is a, uh, a dead bishop that we found on the landing. Now the mysterious tattoo itself is counting down to zero. And when I saw that... I didn't think that's a bit terrifying. I thought a couple of things. I thought I wouldn't have used that font for a tattoo. For those of you out there, I do like my tattoos. Not as much as uh, Mr. Matt Stein, but still quite a bit. But I wouldn't have used that font. That was a really boring uh, sort of Roman font. Oh, no, 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 no. You want something a little bit classier. But counting down... Well, yes, please. I'd like I'd like a tattoo that counts down. And weirdly, as I'm recording this, a news story cropped up on my feed saying that soon we might be able to get tattoos to do that because we can now make tattoo circuit boards. Imagine that. Hmm. Anyway, Riggsy is right to be a little bit annoyed about this tattoo because this tattoo clearly is not good news. And uh, the Doctor swiftly concludes that aliens are hiding in London. The Doctor is, of course, correct. Now, interestingly, Riggsy isn't the first Doctor Who character to get a tattoo. Uh, aside from seeing a flash of uh, John Pertwee's snake... Uh, snake tattoo, I should say. <laughs> uh, aside from seeing that briefly in a shower scene, sturdy now. Um, what are the tattoo tattoos can we remember? Well, of course, we know Corsair's got one. He always gets one. Um, but I'm thinking uh, the answer is... So Toby Zed's body was filled with them whilst possessed by the beast in The Impossible Planet. Are there any more out there? I was wondering when we saw the tattoo whether we were going to get a beast moment... But naturally, there was some other kind of sci-fi uh, techno babble. A misdirection circuit in this case um, for the hidden streets. Now, I love the idea. Of, I love the idea of Trap Street, didn't you? It's a street that map ma map makers put on there to catch out other thieving map makers. I like that. Although it's a misdirection circuit, it's a cloaking circuit. Uh, I'm not really keen on that. I mean, I suppose it explains it. And it's nice to see Clara doing one last tour of London, albeit dangling from a TARDIS, but then again, I believe uh, I believe we've already had Matt Smith do that twice, so it seems a thing to do. She enjoyed that way too much, knows Riggsy. 
and it's an ongoing problem for warns the doctor well yes it is Clara had become a little bit reckless and I suppose when you're in the arms of the doctor so to speak and you're feeling a little bit well a little bit like king of the world king of the universe then I guess you would feel protected you would probably take risks I mean we're not talking you know brain port risks from uh, bad wolf but but um, we are you know you would you would have that level of bravado it's uh, yeah it's, it's it's I guess it's one of those one of those things that happens maybe the doctor should learn to ditch his companion sooner rather than later so we have the nice little nice little set scene of where walking around the streets of London trying to find a place that isn't there. Now, instantly, when they actually got to Trap Street and how they explained it, I was thinking, why hasn't Neil Gaiman written this episode? Because this is a popular science fiction meme popular fantasy meme that Neil Gaiman has exploited in a couple of his works now. I wonder where they got the idea. Maybe he was busy. Or maybe he's planning to introduce Neverwhere to the Doctor Who series next year. Wouldn't that be something awesome? I quite liked how the inhabitants of Trap Street were shielded. Uh, I thought that was quite quite good. I couldn't quite understand how come Riggsy could see them and no one else could. That didn't make too much sense, I guess, when he was mugged, abducted and presumably probed. Um, I'm presuming that he was uh, implanted with the ability to see that, because otherwise that didn't make much sense. And then we get from innocent girl to tortured soul we see a shoulder. She's probably reached her inevitable end point. I suppose mad drunk on power, her full of her own self-importance. She's become a judge, jury and executioner it seems. Siding with the shade, calling the shots. I think personally upon learning that she would have been beaten down. I'd have, uh, I'd have had something to say to her. The quantum shade, the uh, dark spirit that brings death in the form of a raven, was quite spooky. As I say, um, very Edgar Allan Poe, or very um, Dementor in Harry Potter. Seeing as we have stolen part of a Harry Potter set, it seems, to set up Trap Street not complaining just an observation albeit a quite a high-tech one um, although I am surprised because they do like to throw technology in there I am surprised they didn't try and find the trap street first using Google Maps I mean you know so we get the wonderful moment from Peter early on when the doctor first discovers what's happened to Riggsy he you know weighs up the situation he allows it to weigh on him for a second before going no sod you fate i'm gonna save him anyway 
I'm the doctor, and that's what I do. He didn't say that. He should have done. Everyone likes a catchphrase. It was quite a despicable thing that Ashilda did. Um, it was quite clear that the trap, the trap street was a trap. But I am surprised that the Doctor allowed himself to become so, well, so complicit in leading into this trap. Um, and again, he does seem to be a few steps ahead. So is there something that we're not getting? Is there something he's not saying? I suppose Clara was collateral damage because, I mean, she certainly does know how to dice with death and she exhibited that fine in Face the Raven. Um, she's been far too devil-may-care, too quick to laugh in the face of danger. Uh, give her a sonic screwdriver and she's practically half-doctor. I suppose maybe she's a wannabe doctor. Maybe she's one of these junior doctors that the UK government want to upset so much. Still, she was particularly unlucky with her with her cruel exit. I don't think anyone needed that, you know. The whole, it can be passed on. And I, I get why she did it. I get she was told, no, no, no. Clara is the care of the mayor. Care of the mayor. That's a rhyme. I like that. And the whole blasé way she went, this is Doctor 101. My dear listener, we know that that is a surefire way to get yourself in trouble. At times, this episode was a little bit disjointed. It was, it was a jumble of ideas, both the fast-paced and energetic pacing fast-paced and energetic pacing. Is that what I wanted to say? Yes, it is. It sort of didn't manage to lose any co coherence. It, it really, really bumbled along nicely. We got the right kind of scenes and the right kind of acting and the right kind of scenery. It has to be said, in the whole ten years of the, uh, of the, the, the series of Doctor Who, from Eccleston onwards, this has been the finest of climaxes. It was a surprisingly bleak end, and one that I have said simply wasn't just. And then we get the Doctor teleporting. We know he's good with teleports, which is why the teleport ring stayed behind. Now the teleport bracelet itself, here's a little geeky sport, reminded me quite a bit of the uh, the um, teleport bracelet worn by the crew of Blake Seven in the Liberator. Uh, it's a nice little nice little way of moving things across from one place to another. But is Clara dead? This is what we want to know. Is she dead for good? Who knows? We've had characters die before, but we've had characters come back. She was the impossible girl. She was splintered through time. There might be more of her. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But for time being, Clara, you will be missed.
This Galactic Netbite has been brought to you by ImperialSteam.com. Why not follow me on Twitter at ImperialGnome? Email me at ImperialGnome at gmail.com or look me up on Facebook or just ask my Galactic Netcast friends how to contact me. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe and give us feedback, plus additional podcasts from the Galactic Network, daily news features, videos, links to our social networks, and more, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>